Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hey, TCC here now, the word of the Lord from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 19 to 24. It says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let me say thanks be to God. Hey, the Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at TCC. We are in our third week of our series, The Heart of Worship. We've been taking a look at what the Reverend Dr. Tim Brown meant when he wrote, Life as Worship. Well, we most often associate worship with the music we sing and play on a Sunday morning, which is a good and true expression of worship. What we're trying to get at in our series is a sense in which worship is far more all-encompassing than that. With our lives, our work, our recreation, and even, maybe especially, with our money, we worship. Now, for some strange reason, I have been reading quite a few parenting books of late. A buddy of mine got me one such book written by Jack Nicholas II about his relationship with his father and what the greatest golfer to ever pick up a club has taught the son he shares a name with about parenting his own children. Now, as the book goes on, it becomes clear that Nicholas's greatest ability as a parent was the way he ordered his life. He was a husband first, a father second, and a golfer third. His kids were never held to a pedestal they would have been unable to live up to, but they were also always more important than their father's work. There was a proper order to things. And that is precisely what we're trying to convey with this sermon series. At the heart of our worship must be a proper order. The things of our hearts must be in the right order. Otherwise, we will hold too highly things that cannot live up to the expectation we ascribe them, and we will undervalue things more important than we realize. Worship is about a proper order. And today we're going to encapsulate that truth as we look at the theme of money through these words. You are what you love. Jesus' words in our passage today make it clear. You are what you love. Let's take a few minutes together to break that all down. Does that sound good? All right. Now, I outrightly stole that phrase, you are what you love, from a book by a philosopher named James K.A. Smith of the same name, You Are What You Love. And in it, Smith paints the picture of the shopping mall experience. Imagine it, you walk down polished, squeaky floors, the radio's top 20 hits worm their way into and beyond your eardrum, the smell of freshly baked cinnamon rolls overriding your better judgment that really only the first bite tastes like something other than regret. As you get your bearings and look around you, you have a choice to make. At which altar shall I make sacrifices today? Abercrombie, Hollister, Sephora, Lululemon. 
How about the overpriced and reliably underperforming footlocker? Smith makes this analogy to hammer home the point that we do most what we love most. And what we love most is what we worship. What, where, and how we spend our time, what we do is ultimately what we most love and therefore what we most highly value, what we worship. And the thing we most highly value, the thing we spend our time loving, is the thing we reflect to the world. In these examples, by the brand or logo, we buy to adorn our bodies with. In the words of a a profound fortune cookie my wife Claire read recently, your vibe attracts your tribe. You are what you love. We reflect the thing we, often subconsciously, decide is most important. Now, I could go all day on on the degradation of familial, interpersonal, and cultural strongholds long existing as essential pillars for the promulgation of a stable human society exacerbated, nay, catalyzed by the proliferation of social media consumption, but we don't have time. Today awaits. And that isn't why Smith chooses the shopping mall as the center of his analogy. We demonstrate what we love, what we value, and therefore what we worship with what we choose to reflect to the world, but also, and perhaps more importantly, with how we spend our money. Now, we meet Jesus in our passage today, smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is the longest continual teaching we have from Jesus and the gospel accounts of his life. And throughout He touches on murder, adultery, divorce, anxiety, prayer, judgment, prophets with a PH, and even different kinds of gates. He also talks about money. Our passage has three chunks, so let's take them step by step. Matthew 6, uh, verses 19 to 21, the first chunk says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now Jesus is here referring to the practice of hiding valuable goods amongst the stones that made up the foundation of people's homes. There was no rescom, so people's clothes and valuables would frequently get eaten by bugs if they weren't hidden away or they were stolen. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sound familiar? All right, Jesus continues in the second chunk. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Now, like most of what Jesus teaches, there are multiple layers to this chunk, okay? The verse is quite literal. We tell a lot by looking in someone's eyes. Are they healthy, sober, well-fed, well-rested? Well, their eyes will appear sharp and clear. Are they unwell, intoxicated in some way, malnourished, sleep-deprived? The eyes do not lie. And helpful as that is, and even more poignant, Truth is how Jesus' words relate to the 10th commandment given by God through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 5. You shall not covet. Covetous eyes are envious, greedy, gluttonous eyes. They want more, always more, than what they have. 
They bounce from their neighbor's house to her car to his watch. Eyes that covet, they want more and more and more. And those are unhealthy eyes indeed. All right, so here's the final chunk, verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Can't have your cake and eat it too. You cannot serve both God and money. Hear that now. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, what are all these chunks about? Well, money, certainly. But is Jesus warning us about money itself? That money is bad? That money itself is evil? No, Jesus tells us we cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is warning us about the worship of money. He's warning us about the love of money. He's warning us about an improper ordering of the values of our lives. Money itself is benign. The book of Ecclesiastes says that those whom God has given money should accept what they've been given and be happy. The book of Proverbs tells us about the importance of leaving an inheritance. Money is just a tool like any other. And when used properly, it fulfills its purpose. But when we choose to give it more value than it deserves, whether consciously or subconsciously, when the ordering of our hearts in relation to money gets out of whack, the money becomes an idol. And the Bible is resolute on its warning, not of money itself, but of the love of money. Remember, what we love is what we most highly value, and what we most highly value is what we Worship. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot worship. You cannot love. And remember, this is an active verb, love, both God and money. You can only love one, and you are what you love. Now, our dear friend Tim Brown wrote this in an essay once. He wrote, sitting directly across from me was Jack Smith. That isn't his real name, but maybe I shouldn't use them here just now. Jack and I graduated from college together and went off to different graduate schools. When I graduated from seminary with the right to be a minister of word and sacrament, Jack graduated with an MBA and what seemed to be a license to print money. He has become a fabulously wealthy man, not unlike many who made fortunes in the 80s and 90s. But what singles Jack out is that somewhere along the line, he stopped asking the question, how much of my fortune should I give away to good causes? And started asking, how much of what God has given to me do I have the right to keep? Friends, this is not a sermon about tithing. Jesus is not hammering out specific ways and specific rules for the way we are meant to use our money in this passage. This passage and this sermon are about the proper ordering of our relationship to the money that we have. We don't merely say we are now going to give of our tithes and offerings when we gather to worship on a Sunday morning. We say we are going to continue now with our time of worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings. See, if you believe in Jesus... If you believe that he was and is God who came to earth and died a death deserved by us all on the cross, 
but in his death took, and in his death took the death we all deserved upon himself, and on the third day defeated death itself. If you believe you are forgiven and loved by a radical, ceaseless grace, if you believe in Jesus, you belong to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, then all of you belongs to Jesus. And that includes the money God has given you. So when we worship with our tithes and offerings, we are acknowledging who we worship most. We are acknowledging who we love most. We are acknowledging a proper ordering of our lives. We are acknowledging that our lives and everything in them, money included, belongs to him. You cannot serve both God and money. You know what the term and the label and the title Christian means? It was a diminutive term handed down to the earliest followers of Jesus as they lived their lives like Jesus did. And Christian means little Christ. TCC, with every aspect of your life, money included, you worship. And with every aspect of your life, money included, you are what you love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.